This is a Need 10 Media production. All right, welcome aboard, my friend. It's Nate Claber again. In this episode, we get to meet Christy Houle. She has done work that you're most likely very familiar with, an elementary teacher, an elementary principal, as well as a publisher. But uh, when she left the world of public education and took her training to the homeschool side of education, that's where I'm more interested more about and, and her, even her life around that. Uh, again, this is a world that I think a lot of people don't know a lot about when it comes to homeschooling. I know I don't. And I'm looking forward to learning more about uh, that topic and also the work she does outside of that as an author, as a consultant in education. Uh, so we're going to catch up with her here very shortly. But again, on this podcast, we get to meet people from different parts of this country and around the world that have found themselves in interesting and maybe even unusual jobs. Uh, we talk about uh, how they got their way there and the work they're doing now that brings them on the podcast today. Christy, welcome to That's a Job podcast. Thank you. It's great to be here. Well, I want to I'm going to rewind a little bit. And you said uh, before we started talking, you just graduated one. Let's talk about when you were graduating. Where did you think you'd be heading? What direction were you going in? Oh, so long ago. You know, I have sort of a unique story. I was not a, a kid that did well in school. Um, I loved the social aspect of middle school and high school. And, you know, loved the parties, you know, was, was involved in sports and the social things wasn't real. It wasn't the best at academics. And when I graduated high school, I really didn't know what I wanted to do. Um, you know, we didn't really have a lot of, of options as far as when we were in high school, people telling us, take this route, take that route. Um, I knew that I wanted to work in an area where I were, when I, where I was helping people, um, some sort of a service field. And so really I set out you know, I went to a community college for a, a little while. And then I thought, you know, I'd really love to get into the world of psychology. I really would love to help people that are struggling, get into the mind, figure out the way things work and really help someone that might be having issues in that area of their life. So I went to school for a year or two, took some psychology courses. And in the midst of that, needed some money, right? Because I was, you know, right out of high school and trying to make it on my own and be independent. So I started substitute teaching at a local elementary school in my hometown. And I'll tell you, it completely changed my life. So I started subbing in uh, with a group of kids. And you know, when you start subbing, if they have someone that they like, they call you back all the time and you become a regular and you know everybody. And so I'll never forget, I decided one day not to take a job. You know, I got called in, but I had other things to do. So I didn't go into work that day as a sub. And I'll never forget, I was driving past the school where I had been working as a sub regularly um, when I wasn't taking my courses. And I stopped at a red light and I could see the kids out on the playground playing. And I just sort of yearned to be in there with them. Like there was something pulling me to want to be on the playground with the kids and be in the classroom with the kids and see how their day was going and be a part of what they were doing that day. And so I knew at that moment that I needed to change the path that I was on. And so I did that. I then started, uh, changed my major and went to transfer to a completely different university, went into elementary education and graduated, taught for 10 years at the elementary school level, then went into administration, which I also didn't plan. You know, most administrators will say, I didn't plan this. And it just sort of fell into my lap. And did that for 10 years until I uh, left public education to homeschool um, and to, to do other things. Well, I want to get back to here when you said, you know, 
all of a sudden you had a calling and you changed. Talk about that conversation with parents, with whoever of, uh, I'm not going to do this anymore. I'm going to do this. Oh, and I'm not going to school here. I'm going here. There had to be, that had to be some challenge there and a lot of questions that you had to answer. Sure. So, you know, my parents were always really supportive. They were shocked as were most people, because like I said, I wasn't the great student, right? I really didn't do well in, in high school, um, academically. So, so when I started to tell people and my parents, Hey, I want to go be a teacher. They were a little surprised. Um, you know, they were concerned like any parents would be about, are you going to make enough money? And are you, you know, I was, I was moving away at this point to go to a college that was a couple hours away. So, you know, they were supportive, but they were surprised. Um, but you know, I knew in my heart that that's what I had to do. And so I just made it work. I, it's interesting from an administrator standpoint, I got to ask you this of when you were hiring teachers, did you kind of get a sense of, of some of the pathways that those teachers were coming up that maybe they had a similar pathway that you could relate to in, in how they found education? Yeah. And so, yeah, I hired a lot of teachers. That was part of my, my role as an administrator was we were solely responsible for hiring um, all and recruiting and hiring all of our teachers, which is really the most important thing that you can do. I think as an administrator is to hire the right, the right folks to be in front of the kids and to be with the kids. But yeah, you know, during the interview process, when I would be sitting, you know, and it was a lengthy process, you know, three or four interviews for each candidate, I really just wanted to get to know who they were as a person and what brought them to education. And so there was a lot of relationship building in the interview. You can teach anybody to do certain things, to learn curriculum, to learn a strategy, to learn best practices, but it's hard to teach passion. It's hard to teach, you know, the reasons why they're there. So yeah, there was a lot of relationship building in those, in, in that interview process when I was, when I would be talking to teacher candidates. You know, when you look at, uh, you know, coming into teaching and, and that process to first off, know that you're called for it, but I want to go back to, you know, there is that question that, that you get told, Oh, you won't make enough money, you know, or, or you won't like it. You know, I, I, there's a lot of that outside influence because people do know what teachers do, but I don't think they really understand what the role, what the profession is, what the pathway is. Can you expand more on that? Just from your perspective, from being a teacher and also being administrator? Just for those that are, are out there as a, a parent that's listening or someone that's maybe an aspiring teacher looking at that or maybe hasn't even looked at that. I think, you know, once I knew that that's what I wanted to do, you know, I haven't been in a classroom setting since 2008, but was an administrator. So I was in the building, but I wasn't in a classroom setting. So it's much different. You know, it's a much different role, but I'm, I'm always going to be a teacher no matter what I do that's always going to be something that is just part of who I am. Um, you know, the teacher comes out in me all the time. So I do think that it's something that um, if you're thinking about that, if that's an aspire, you know, an aspiring career or something that you're thinking about doing that you really have to just, are you willing to be in there? I mean, it's tough right now. I mean, education is really, really a hard, hard place to be everything from, you know, behaviors to special education needs that aren't being met to parents, to uh, pandemic, to all of the state and federal mandates. So you have to really be willing to get up every morning, go in and do the very best that you can and be a relationship builder with those kids, be a mentor, be a role model. 
before everything else that everything else can come second, but you have to be willing to kind of move past all of the hard things that are happening and just stick in there with the kids because kids need good teachers. And we're struggling with that right now. Yeah, it's really a challenge. And then you look at some alternatives now that are really, I think, coming uh, to the forefront, uh, I think, especially since uh, since our pandemic began or the pandemic began, I don't want to take ownership of it, uh, that homeschooling being an option and different types of schools. So you left that that mainstream education and you put your teacher hat back on, but you were doing it at home. You weren't doing it in the school building anymore. Talk about that. Yeah. So that wasn't anything I had ever, ever thought that I would ever do in my life. Um, I taught I loved teaching. I was an administrator. I loved being an administrator. I loved my school, you know, and I had just finished getting my educational specialist degree with the superintendent's endorsement because my, my goal really was to continue moving up in public education, into central office, into a superintendency. And that's really where I was heading. But life happens, right? Things happen in your life that you can't control. And Right about all, all in the same time in 2015, uh, my youngest son was diagnosed with a lot of developmental delays in kindergarten, but he unfortunately didn't qualify the, for the services that he needed to really help him be successful in that public school environment. Um, and at the same time, I lost both parents um, unexpectedly. And so all these things were happening very, very quickly. And I knew that my place was now at home with my family, being one of the older siblings, taking care of things with my parents being gone so suddenly and with my child. And in probably one month's time, I went from being this go-getter dynamic, you know, leading every committee in the district, wanting to be a superintendent to kind of a 360, leaving that position, being a homeschool mom and my whole world just changed. And so but looking back, it was one of the best decisions I think I've ever made because I had all that time with my kids over the last seven years um, that I would have never had if I would have stayed in that position. Well, it sounds like you making that decision and, and all that was happening at, at that point in your life, it almost feel like you went from having to worry about taking care of so many others mm-hmm. to now you were, you know, I feel like you were taking care of the needs you wanted and needed at the time to take care of those closest to you and also maybe take care of yourself. Is there anything to that? Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, absolutely. You know, and it was, it was kind of a, a, sometimes a sad, but frustrating moment for me, because like you said, I had spent years looking over all these children in the district um, that I was in. And I actually worked in the Ferguson fluorescent district. And, you know, we had the, the civil unrest and, you know, the death of Michael Brown. And so I went with, was with the community through all of that. And I really loved this community and really felt like I was needed there. But when my family needed me, you know, we always say, Oh, my kids are my top priority. My kids are most important. But when push came to shove, I had to really make a decision. You know, do I stay in a career that I love and that I've worked for my whole life? Or do I push all that aside to be with my family and my children and give a hundred percent to that. And that was the decision that I ultimately made. And I think it was the right decision. And it was about getting to know my children on a deeper level, being a hundred percent at home, mom, wife, sibling to, to people that really needed me. You know, I, I, I applaud what you're doing there and, and what you did to, to get to that point. But I got to think there was probably some, some deaf ears you needed at that point uh, of, 
of people saw you making that change and what you were doing at home, but you went right back to it of doing almost what started, not almost, but doing what is best for your family at the time. And, and, and especially for you, uh, but coming through it and you talked about how hard education is right now, uh, people making transitions, I guess highlight through that, and maybe that's something you you've supported people on is, you know, overcoming some of those things that are happening and the the words you're hearing or or, or thinking uh, to to find your focus and find your pathway. Yeah. Um, give me some examples of that where where you experienced that or how you overcame that. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, definitely. I mean, there were tons of people that when I you know went to school and made that announcement, I this will be my last year here. You know, I'm not coming back because I'm doing X Y Z. You know, friends and family were very apprehensive. Um, you know, I mean, homeschooling in itself, I think it's getting a little better now, but there's always been, you know, these myths about homeschoolers and homeschooling families. And, you know, you just, you know, how we isolate children and how they don't have any social interactions and homeschool kids or this or that. And so I had to battle that a little bit, um, from people saying, well, how are you going to manage this with your kids and how will you do this? And, you know, how are you going to pay your bills? And, you know, you know, the, the financial part came into it as well, right? Like you've been, you've been functioning with these two salaries and now you're not going to be bringing in any money. And are you sure this is what you want to do? And so, you know, I, I think that I had to just assure people and, you know, what's, what's really sad to me now that I've been through that experience and I can look back on it is I think that I probably didn't get as much um, slack from people because I had a background in education. I think it would have been worse if I would have been coming from the business world or from an environment or a career that had nothing to do with education. But because I was an educator coming home to educate my young children, I think people didn't give me as hard of a time because they thought, oh, well, she's going to do great. She has all this experience in educating young children and she's going to, you know, like be this phenomenal homeschool mom and she knows everything about education. And so I think because of that, um, I had it a little bit easier. Well, I guess let's take that next step. You know, you had all the experience, you had the knowledge, you talked about it. You should be a really good stay at home mom, uh, stay at home teacher, I guess, or at home teacher. Were you, I, it had to be a rough start. I would think in the beginning. Yeah. Yeah. It was, it was very, very challenging and I will never <laughs> look at another homeschool parent the same way, because no matter how much education I had, how many degrees I had, it is simply not the same. And the truth of the matter was I didn't know my children. I didn't know them as well in an educational environment that I needed to know them. And that was a hard pill for me to swallow because how I knew all these other kids educationally, you know, behaviorally, I could tell you what all 560 kids in my elementary school would do because I knew them. I didn't know my own kids in that way. And so it was a learning curve. I had to, to essentially throw out everything that I knew about teaching children and sort of reframe what I wanted that to look like in my home with my, you know, my husband works from home. Um, and I eventually ended up homeschooling all three of my children and they're all different ages. My youngest son has special needs. So you throw all of that in, in a home environment. And it was really, really difficult. Yeah. I guess that was my question. I know you talked about the one with special needs, but, uh, bringing all three in, uh, and how you do that, what were some things you referenced in trying to figure out these pa- the pathway to do that? And I, I got to think there's a ton of resources out there now as it's evolved. 
Uh, and there's probably a lot of recommendations and suggestions you would make to somebody coming in uh, to your role. But uh, talk about having the, the getting to know your three children, you know, mm-hmm. from that standpoint of knowing them as your kids, but then how, how do you know them as, as a student and, mm-hmm. and, and how do you, do you juggle those worlds or, or you, how do you collide or combine them? Yeah. So, you know, I think the first thing that I would, would tell people now going through that experience is you just have to give yourself time. You have, you can't rush into things. You can't, you know, decide to homeschool. And then a week later, start shoving curriculum down your kids' throats. You know, I had three different children, three different ages, and they all learn very differently, but I, it took me a while to figure that out. And so I did a lot of reading. I did a lot of reaching out and, you know, getting to know other homeschool families, you know, joining homeschool organizations and communities, you know, doing meetups at the park, just having that support group of other moms that had done these things was really a lifesaver for me because they give you the reassurance that it's not about what you're teaching them so much. It's about finding what sparks your child, figuring out what kind of a learner they are, finding their interests, finding out how they learn best. And that just takes time. We don't have that in public school. You know, everything is like, we do this at 10 o'clock. We do this at 12 o'clock. We do reading at two o'clock. We go to lunch at this time. And, you know, you just repeat, 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 whether the kid's getting it or not. And so you have the luxury in homeschool not to do that, but you have to learn how to sort of, I'm not really a go with the flow <laughs> kind of a gal, right? I'm, I'm very structured. I like a lot of systems in place. If we say we're going to do math at 10, we need to do math at 10 and we need to be done at 1045. But all of that went out the window when I was homeschooling. And it took me a while to realize that I had to change myself and my expectations before my kids were ever going to benefit from anything I could give them. I say you went through a culture shock. You had oh, to coming time. from where you're at into that. You know, how did you overcome yeah. that? Yeah, well, it's so funny because, you know, I said my husband works from home and so he would come up at lunchtime and we, we literally, when I decided to do this, I obviously did it at the end of a school year. So this, I won't be coming back. And I, we turned our entire dining room into a school room. You know, we got all rid of all the furniture and I painted with chalkboard paint and I had three little desks all in a row. And I had a teacher's desk over here and I had the bookshelves and I had a flag. I even had the flag because we were saying the pledge of every morning I had name tags and I would shove this curriculum right every day. And finally, and my husband would see the frustration and he'd come up from, from lunch and he'd say, what, what's going on? And I would be upset and I'd be in the kitchen and the kids would be upset and they'd be in their rooms. And it was just not working. And finally, one day he said, Christy, he said, you realize that all you've done is you've taken the public school environment. You've brought it into our house and you're trying to school three children of different ages, one with special needs in a public school environment. That's all you've done. You're not really homeschooling them. You're, you're giving them a public school education in our home. You need to let that go. You need to let all of this go. And that's what I had to do. So it was a culture shock. And I had to say, you know what? We're not doing any of this for a couple of weeks. We're going to have fun. We're going to play. We're going to get on the floor with toys. I'm going to let you choose whatever you want to do. And we did that for a while. And it really did help, you know, it helped to build our relationship. It helped to make us stronger. And it's hard when they're listening to mom, they don't want to listen to me all day and then listen to me at night too. So we had to figure out what worked best for our family and for our dynamic. It took a while, but we got there. So you, you go through there and, and the one you just had graduate, they graduated as a, as a homeschool student. Is that correct? No. So we, my oldest son who just graduated, went back to public school for his senior year. And that was a choice that he made. He was doing an accelerated curriculum online 
an accredited curriculum. And at the end of his junior year, he said, you know what, mom, you know, he had a big group of friends that still went to public school and he was very still involved with them. He said, I think I'd like to go back to public school. Um, we have, we live in a very small town for my last year. And I said, absolutely. I said, if that's what you feel you want to do, you want to experience, you know, your senior prom and all these fun senior things and be with your friends, we support you. So he went back and graduated from public school this year. And then my uh, middle son who decided in uh, end of sixth grade, he wanted to be back in public school because he's an athlete and he's always been an athlete his whole life. And he really wanted to be part of sports um, and teams and things like that in public school. So, you know, we had to have those conversations with him and, and expectations and just really be supportive of what he wanted to do. You know, he was at an age where he could sort of make that decision. So we worked with him through that and we supported that. And he's, he'll be in high school. He'll be a freshman in high school this year. And he's done amazing things um, in the public school environment. And now he went in fairly well-equipped because he had had lots of years of homeschool one-on-one with mom. So he really was um, an above average student when he entered public school. And that probably helped him a little bit. He wasn't behind, but he's, you know, plays football. He's, he's played uh, basketball. He went to state with the track team. He's now going into freshman football and is doing amazing. And then my youngest son actually will be starting a private school um, this year because he also has reached the age where he's like, mom, I'm ready to, to, you know, be out of the nest. And I'm like, I agree, son. So yeah, so now I won't, I won't have any children at home this year. And I'm not really, really, I guess I'll just keep writing books or something. I don't know, but I'm going to have to find some stuff to do. I was going to say that, that another culture changed not only for your children to go back yeah. and, and some different environments for, but for you as well. But yeah. you did reference, uh, you know, writing children's book. You know, you you are a published author. Talk mm-hmm. about that piece. Where did that come from, and how did that come to be, and and actually have that out in the world? Yeah. So about a year and a half, two years ago, I was you know probably sitting around trying to think of something else to do, and uh, <laughs> my husband said, you know. You, I've always had a love for children's literature, being an elementary school teacher and a homeschool mom. I have books and books and books and books and hundreds of children's books. And I've always loved to write. And he said, you know, have you ever thought about writing a children's book? And I said, I have not. So I started to research. I started to think about it and I just started writing. And um, a year and a half later, I've published my first uh, book in a series that will be four um, called Quigley's questions. And it is the main character Quigley is based on my youngest son, who's autistic and just about all of the crazy questions that kids ask their parents that we sometimes don't have answers for. And so it's just a really fun, delightful story of uh, a very inquisitive child and how he drives all of those around him a little nuts at times. And so, yeah, so I, I started working with an editor and an illustrator and a year and a half later, I have a book published. So it's just something that I never thought I would do. And now that I have one published, I'm ready, hopefully to have the second one out by Christmas um, of this year. So yeah, it's, it's been a really fun journey. Well, and, and it doesn't sound like the journey's done. You still have a few more books to get out, mm-hmm. but you know, I got to think there's more to your world and more to your work than now trying to figure out uh, what you have in the fall to do. I'm sure you have a number of things and ideas because uh, you've, got, you've got some other work that you do outside mm-hmm. of uh, what we've already talked about. Take yeah. me into that. I do. So I'm actually um, also the educational outreach coordinator for an organization that's based in St. Louis called Educate.Today. And I work for them in a capacity of where I help them write curriculum for online resources. Um, And I also do host a podcast as well um, called the Classroom Matters podcast, where we 
talk to experts in the field of education. And so I'm, I'm very busy with that. So yeah, I, I sort of am still in the world of education, but just doing a lot of different things. And you know, what's great about it is I'm, I'm doing it on my terms and on my time. And um, I always can make time for my family and my kids, you know, as you know, my kids are going to be gone soon. My oldest will be gone here in a couple of months and my, you know, it goes by quick. And so having those years with your kids is something that you just can't replace. Yeah. When you look at, yeah, I'm, I'm sure you worked on this with, with your students uh, or your, <laughs> I, I would say your kids, I call them your students, but I guess they were both, mm-hmm. uh, you know, coming through where you had them and where they're at and, and people you're helping along the way with, with the work you're doing now, skill sets. And, you know, there's a lot of different, I guess, descriptions of what it's, if, if it's soft skills or durable skills or human skills, such a focus now. How do you, I guess, how did you do that at home? And how, how do you encourage people to do that? I say that because you're doing things you never planned to do on, on so many different fronts from being a teacher to an admin, to uh, homeschooling, to writing a book, to hosting a podcast. What, what offering do you have to, to, to the people out there that are listening to this when it comes around that, those topics of, uh, of what you need to learn beyond the the academia, if you will. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I think that it's you know it's a really interesting thing. But I mean, you know, we live in an age of technology where you can literally learn about anything on the internet, most things for free. And so, you know, I think communication is is obviously key, and really having the motivation and the initiative. Because when you start doing things that you never planned to do or that you're not going to school for. And even if you are going to school for them, there's so many things that people aren't going to teach you that you need to be able to learn on your own. So having that self-discipline, having the motivation, having the, the interest and being inquisitive enough to find things out, you know, on your own and not being scared to reach out and, and join communities. And, and I, you know, I, I'm running a podcast and I'm editing things and I'm interviewing guests. I don't have a degree in journalism. I don't have a degree in media broadcasting, um, but I've had to learn all those things on my own. I've had to seek that information out for myself. Um, I had to seek out how to be a good writer and how to market a book and how to market a podcast by myself. So I think just having that goal-oriented focused mindset and you know, not being scared to ask for help, understanding that you can literally learn everything by yourself with just a click of the keys on your computer. How do you, you know, take it back to when you were that administrator, if somebody, uh, if you were telling yourself back then, some of the things you just talked about to how to have more of an impact on learning and educating and, and creating that person, how hard would it be to, do you think you would have accepted some of this stuff or, or how hard is it for administrators to, to think differently about just the things you were talking about? How can you, you change know, that? I think, you know, it's so, it's so difficult now as an administrator or a teacher or someone that's locked into a job, right? Where they're sort of being told what to do every day and they have these expectations and they have to get through X amount of curriculum every year or whatever, whatever. So I think, they're in a a very difficult position, but, you know, I think that you have to be courageous enough sometimes to have those uncomfortable conversations with people and to really listen um, when people are talking to you about maybe breaking out of the box of doing some things that aren't just status quo. Right. 
So if there's something that's happening in your classroom or in your school, and you don't really think it's what's best for kids, then sometimes you just have to be the person that stands up regardless of the consequences and say, this isn't good for kids. I'm here because I want to do what's right for kids. Um, and this isn't good for kids. And whatever happens, happens. But you have to hold on to your integrity um, and stay focused in what you want to do in your life, because that's really about right your legacy that you're leaving is really the most important thing. When we all leave this world, no one's going to care at my funeral that I was a teacher or an administrator or that I wrote a book. It's going to be about you know what was my character? How did I make other people feel when I was in the room with them? You know how genuine was I? How 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 did other people feel when they were in my presence? Did I stand up for the right things even when nobody was looking? And so. Those are the things that we have to start passing on to our children um, and less about passing the test and getting into a certain school or taking a certain class because nobody really cares about that at the end of the day. It's important. You need those things to get where you want to go, but it's really not what makes up the, the fiber of who we truly are. Christy, I couldn't say it better myself. I appreciate uh, the insight because you have experience from so many different facets of that. If people want to connect with you and learn more about your work and, and especially get, get that book, uh, Quigley's question and the series to come, uh, where can we direct people to go? Yeah, absolutely. So they can email me at christy.hool, H-O-U-L-E at outlook.com. Um, they can go to my author website, which is christyhoolauthor.com, and they can contact me there. They can purchase the book there. The book is for sale, Amazon, Barnes and Noble, Books a Million, um, anywhere that you shop to buy books. And um, I love to hear from people. If you have homeschooling questions, I do that a lot. I have a lot of homes first time homeschool moms that'll email me and say, help, I need help. I don't know what to do. So I love working with homeschool families, public school teachers that are struggling or even aspiring children's book authors that maybe are like, I don't know the first steps to take. I'm lost. I don't know what to do. Um, I love to hear from folks. Um, I do author visits as well. So if anyone's looking for a virtual read aloud Q&A for teachers or kids, I'm also available for that. Christy, I'll get all that stuff in our show notes, and I appreciate you taking the time. Thank you so much. It's been a delightful conversation. All right. Thank you. Thank you again for listening and being on this journey. And please subscribe and share this podcast. It's called That's a Job. It's on Spotify, Overcast, Apple Podcasts, and wherever you get your podcast. The That's a Job podcast presented by Career Adventure Academy and the Career and College Discovery Course. Discover the work you are wired to do. Now go live your career adventure. If you haven't done so already, hit subscribe to enjoy future episodes. Build your career adventure at nateclayberg.com. Production assistance provided by Bill Jordan voiceovers. Visit billjordanvo.com. This podcast is a Need 10 Media production.